This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. Bienvenue au Balado Dance CNA avec Kathy Levy. In this first of two episodes of a bilingual podcast, we meet the five artists featured in the National Arts Center's 2015 face-to-face series, Experiences of Africa. They speak of their background and how they came to work in dance. Dans ce premier de deux épisodes d'un balado bilingue, nous rencontrons les cinq artistes présentés dans le cadre de l'édition 2015 de Face à Face, Expérience africaine. Ils nous parlent de leur parcours et expliquent comment ils sont venus à évoluer dans le milieu de la danse. So, hello, everybody. Hello. hello. Welcome. Bienvenue. <laughs> bienvenue, Merci. bienvenue. Merci. That's good. So, I'm, I'm so pleased that uh, we've had an opportunity to invite you all here for our third edition of Face to Face to show our audience a bit about some of the tendances uh, from different African choreographers. Je suis vraiment contente qu'on a invité tout le monde pour être ici pour le face-à-face, pour montrer à nos spectateurs un peu... Uh, des, des tendances de les, les, les chorégraphies contemporaines d'Afrique. Alors, je vais prendre un um, moment juste pour, uh, pour, te, pour vous donner une chance d'introduire uh, un, un à la fois. On va commencer avec Bienvenue Basé de Burkina Faso. Bienvenue, est-ce que vous pouvez juste uh, dire un peu... Si, je ne peux pas parler français quand je suis... Uh... Oui. <laughs> Bienvenue. Can you just tell us a little bit about you and your background and uh, a little bit uh, de votre histoire... Uh, avec la danse. Oui. Euh, moi, je m'appelle Bienvenue Bazier. Euh, je co-dirige euh, co une compagnie euh, qui s'appelle Auguste Bienvenue et euh, qui est créée en 2000. Mais avant ça, j'ai eu une formation au sein d'une euh, troupe euh, polyvalente qui accueillait des, des jeunes ados et à la formation artistique, donc pluridisciplinaire. Donc, j'ai eu la chance de de faire du théâtre, de la musique, de toucher à des instruments, mais aussi de danser des danses du terroir, donc traditionnel du Burkina Faso, avant de rencontrer la danse contemporaine, donc amenée par les aînés dans les années 90 au Burkina Faso. Et donc, je me suis intéressé à, à, à cet art. Euh, voilà, j'ai eu envie d'exprimer mes idées, envie d'exprimer des choses qui, qui me tiennent à cœur à travers le corps. Et c'est comme ça que je me suis euh, retrouvé. Donc, j'ai eu un parcours, de, une formation de huit ans au sein de cette troupe. 
euh, où justement j'ai pu quand même me nourrir de, euh, de ces différentes disciplines artistiques. Ok, et c'est quoi la danse traditionnelle de Burkina Faso Est-ce que tu peux décrire ça Oui, les danses traditionnelles, euh, il faut dire que le Burkina est un pays euh, qui a une euh, soixantaine d'ethnies. Euh, et chaque ethnie a une danse avec euh, une musique qui, qui, qui va avec. Donc c'est un patrimoine euh, très riche. Euh, donc je peux citer euh, entre autres le Warba, qui est une danse des Mossé, qui se danse beaucoup euh, en déhanchement, donc dans, au niveau du bassin. On utilise beaucoup le bassin, euh, la danse gourmatier où on utilise beaucoup plus le bus. Donc, euh, dans un mouvement assez euh, rapide et saccadé. Et la danse gouroussi, parce que je suis gouroussi, donc j'aimerais bien noter euh, la danse gouroussi où il euh, y a tout euh, déploiement du, du, du corps, donc des jambes jusqu'au jusqu bras. Et voilà, pour ne citer que, que ces danses, donc pour dire qu'il y a quand même plus d'une soixantaine de, de danses, de musiques qui vont avec euh, et que... Ben, j'ai appris ce que je pouvais apprendre <rire> comme danse. Merci beaucoup. Ensuite, pas un Africain, mais quelqu'un <rire> qui est vraiment influencé par Afrique, our wonderful uh, Toronto colleague. Would you like to introduce yourself and talk about uh, how you became part of this project? Sure. My name is Jennifer Dallas, and um, I live and work in Toronto. Um, and I have a company, Kemi Contemporary Dance Projects, And I came to work with Bienvenue by way of uh, Nigeria. Um, after I graduated from Toronto Dance Theatre, I became curious about uh, dance uh, starting in Europe and then uh, gradually led me to West Africa. And Bienvenue and I met in Lagos in 2009 and, um, and started working together a little bit at a time. And then we made two works together. So the work in this program is the second of two works. Didn't I hear that, in fact, you met at a festival in Lagos that Kudus uh, Onekeku It's was true. also part of our face-to-face yeah. -face series? How did that all come about? Um, the, the festival director is Adedaioliadi. Uh, true Festa is the name of the festival. And, um, and there are several dancers that, uh, that were there at the time. And yeah, so we, we met. And, mm -hmm. It's worth mentioning that this um, project that the two of you are doing, which includes a solo of Bienvenue and the duet that you've created together, uh, is both here at Face to Face, but also touring quite extensively uh, through Quebec and Ontario, which is fantastic. Thank you. Yep. How many cities? Five or six cities? Six cities, yeah. We started in Burkina Faso in December, in Waga for Dialogue de Croix, and then made our way here. We'll come back to that after. And beside okay. you is our <laughs> dear friend Vincent Mansoi, who's back at the National Arts Centre for the fourth time over the last 15 years. So, Vincent, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, this is Vincent Mansoui. Um, I'm a South African born artist. Uh, I am now based in France. Um, I started dancing uh, uh, traditional dance uh, in South Africa. Uh, with my uh, family, uh, which what we call uh, the shaman dance. Um, and then after that, I kind of like uh, did uh, the Michael Jackson uh, copycat. <laughs> uh, that was my, uh, my beginning of, uh, uh, of, of kind of like a different dance uh, besides like traditional dance. And uh, my formal training uh, was with uh, moving into dance in 1990. Uh, and uh, I was trained by a mentor, Sylvia Klasser. Uh, in, in, in Johannesburg, uh, uh, South Africa. 
and uh, from since then I was uh, very curious in uh, different styles of uh, techniques uh, and where I studied uh, martial arts uh, in Australia and the Balinese dance and the Indian classical dance. Uh, but my formal training is a Graham technique. Uh, that's where I come from. And obviously I did other uh, formation, which is uh, more of uh, Laban notation and uh, um, jazz and uh, of course contemporary. And the traditional dance, of course, has been uh, the strongest uh, element into, into my work. Uh, and uh, today, of course, I, I am based now in France and the way I have my own company, uh, we, I, where I do obviously both uh, the solo work and uh, the company work. Thank you, Vincent. Mm -hmm. And beside you is Kudis Onekeku from Nigeria. Hello, Kudis. We're just starting with uh, giving a bit of a background and uh, a little bit uh, about your history and how you came into the world of dance. Okay, I, I think for me, it, it started even before I was aware of it. Um, when I was about five, <clears throat> I started uh, by, by doing acrobatics. I saw a particular guy in my primary school then a random guy just did just a flip and it wasn't it wasn't like the first time i saw someone did a flip but i think it was the first time i saw someone in my own space of 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 reality you know like it's actually possible somebody like me can actually do it so i started uh, using that as a <clears throat> as a way to start practicing on my own and and trying to do some accumulations of, of acrobatics prowess. And um, for me, I, I always relate that to my first um, uh, need for corporal expression. And, and um, I don't know why that struck with me. So from five until like, until like 13, I was doing more of that. And um, at 13, I, I was invited into a to join the, the dance um, group in the secondary school, uh, but mostly because I was an acrobat. So I never knew I was interested in dance until I got into that. And, and that really like changed everything for me. It, it took everything away from me. I used to be a very brilliant science student and, <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of it. <laughs> dance took away everything afterwards. I, Immediately, I knew that I was not going to be an engineer <laughs> and I was not going to be a mathematician or whatever. There's, al there's always time. You are, there's always time. <laughs> so I, I, I immediately, I, I followed that, that, that dream. Uh, when I left high school, then I went on to the National Theater in Nigeria at that time, in Lagos, um, where there are a lot, of, a lot of, we call it troops, you know, you know, it's, it's not something very formal, but for us, it was the only avenue for you to, 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 to develop in, in the dance. Um, you go join one troupe or the other, and this troupe, of course, it acts like a kind of repertoire troupe where they, they do different kind of dances <clears throat> for shows and things like that. But at the same time, they teach you how, 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 to, how to dance. And so for me, I started more like, uh, like uh, with traditional dances, and um, but very quickly, I, because I joined, I was also um, uh, admitted into the Lagos State Council for Arts and Culture, which is like, which is like what you call the Ballet National. But now, because Lagos is another, it's a big city, so each city in Nigeria has their own 
away from the national ballet. Um, so I was part of the Lagos State one. I was 16. I was 16 then. And um, that afforded me the opportunity to learn traditional dances from various parts of Nigeria, uh, which was a very good, um, interesting uh, opportunity for me because that was the last time I, I was really into something purely traditional. But of course, I spent seven months there, mostly because, I mean, I can only make you understand what seven months means because the people I left there in 2001, they're still there now. So you can imagine what seven months means in that. What, what made me leave is exactly was because in like three or four months, I've learned almost all the dances there. And the remaining three or four months I spent there, we were repeating the same thing. I'm like, when are we going to do something else? <laughs> so quickly I knew that I had to leave and uh, because we were playing football and, and playing draft and I was like, no, this is not why I'm here. And uh, that was when contemporary dance started getting my, my interest because at least with this one, I have the opportunity to create new works again and again and again. And um, so I went into tr contemporary dance. Then, of course, I've, I was also very good in hip hop at that time. And um, very quickly, I got this, um, I got this international thing going on from the age of 17. And all of that was happening at the same time until I was like 20 when I started working with a choreographer in, in France called Hedy Malem. Uh, with Hedy, um, it was an entirely new world because um, Hedy was not a dancer, uh, but he was a choreographer. And what was really interesting about working with Hedy is that because he wasn't a dancer himself, he talked you through doing things with your own body. And so he only gives you the opportunity to find yourself in, in, in the choreography. So it's like, uh, even if it's working with 14 dancers, it's usually like 14 solos working together. So for me, I really loved the way he was working. And um, it has a lot of um, impact in my, in, my, in my journey as a dancer, uh, because eventually my solo career grew out of, out of working with him. It's like I was working with him, but at the same time I was building my own solo career. And um, what else can I say? So at the age of 23, I decided to go to school but in France at that time, I already knew that uh, going to a dance school was out of it uh, because I was not interested so much <laughs> in what was happening in the dance field in France at that time. So I went to a circus art school. And also because I said uh, acrobatics was what started for me, then eventually I went to a circus school where I now merge uh, this thing with acrobatics and dance together. And um, immediately I left there in 2009, I started a solo career, um, which is gradually what, is, what I've, I've been pushing, I've been creating solo works since then. Many things to come back to and what, uh, what many of you have said. I'm just going to move on to <coughs> our, uh, our other guest, our last guest on the, to the right of you, Faustin, welcome. Can you uh, introduce yourself and, like the others, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be working and um, performing in this field? Okay, my name is Faustin Lignecula. Um, I was born in northeastern Zaire in 1974. And I never dreamt of becoming an artist, really, because... 
while growing up there, there were no examples around me of people who were doing arts professionally, even though Kisangani, where I grew up, uh, is worse then, because now we don't have the most recent statistics, but it was considered like the third largest city in the country. And, but, and with one of the three main universities in the country, but um, the arts circle in that city never um, broke into a professional level. So it was mainly like amateurs, but in a very good sense of the word, in that it's people who love um, theater or literature and who start like you know sharing that love of literature and theater because it was mainly those two forms. And so, yeah, I must say that I was dreaming of going to law school and mm-hmm. you know. But later on, it was like law and conservation biology because I started really getting interested in, you know, in conservation biology. But when I was like 14, I, I started writing like poetry first. It just happened that um, I started writing with a very... You know, clear sense of, or rather awareness of what has happened before me. So it was not like just beginning to write and like, oh, we're beginning everything anew. But I started writing with the awareness of people like Leopold Sedar Senghor and Aimé Césaire, you know, all the negritude movement and also of the movement that came after the negritude, writers like Shoyinka, Chino Achebe. Um, I wonder sometimes if uh, I don't owe it to my French teacher in school, in high school, because this man uh, was one of those who believed that the ultimate development for any literary journey uh, for a black African is negritude. So that's the summit. We need to reach you know, uh, towards negritude. And so maybe like the rebellious teens, um, because uh, it was really like a bunch of us beginning to write, were like, no, no this negritude thing is... It's nothing. We need something else. And that's how, like, discovering Shoyinko's uh, stance on negritude, dog, like, um, he, he said something like, the tiger doesn't go around proclaiming its tigritude. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, it pounces on, uh, on its prey and everyone knows that it's a tiger. So just that was like, oh, yes, I'm a tiger. So for me, I'm not a, neg- n- n- a negritude boy. I'm a tigritude boy, that kind of thing. So that helped us or helped me develop like, like a critical uh, relationship to work very early on. I don't know, you know um, how much you know, um, understanding intellectually I had of, you know, then, but at least from the very beginning, there was this sense of like, I don't want to go in this direction. I, uh, this is what 
appeals to me. And like a, pos- a historical positioning, really, from the very beginning. Uh, it's just happened that when I finished high school in 91, I could not go to university because all of them were closed. Um, it was the beginning of political instability that led to war in 96 and from which my country, now known as Democratic Republic of Congo, is still struggling to get out of. And, and with the beginning you know, of that political instability, um, one of the things that happened was that Mobutu, was then leader, decided to close down all universities because that was one of the hotbeds of protest against the regime. And, and so rather than staying at home with friends, we decided that we'll start a theater troupe. And we did that for two years. We had the theater troupe and we p- performed mainly like uh, adaptations of French um, classic, classical comedies like Molière or later on Marivaux, um, that kind of work. But every now and then we do like um, storytelling pieces where we were experimenting more with like body and singing. But again, it was really like as we we're waiting for universities to reopen, we're doing that. And and I think it's around that period also that we've, um, I met people who made me understand that maybe theater was not, first of all, about characters or text or costumes, but it was about presence. It's a body in front of other bodies and how you negotiate those, um, that time that you spend together. And I think I've kept that to date, really. There's performing is about negotiating presence. If I'm with other performers, how we negotiate that being together in that space and how then together we negotiate you know, our relationship to an audience. Um, but having done that work for two years where we performed everywhere, you know, we you know, started traveling First of all, in our city, going to schools and performing in schoolyards. And then it led us outside of the city. We went to villages and um, doing, and we did that for two years, really. And I think the virus started kind of biting really in. It's like, oh, actually, why do I want to go to university in the first place? Uh, I don't know, actually. So maybe... Mm. What about what's this thing about writing and now performing? Uh, and because it was not clear, I was like, maybe I need to get out of the country uh, because our journeys took us to a, a town which is really close to the Ugandan border. Uh, in the Ituri district, and the town is called Bunya. And I got to Bunya, I saw like big trucks coming from Nairobi all the way there. And I was like, oh, so if I jumped on top of one of these, I could get all the way to Kenya. 
that's how I went to Kenya in '93. Um, like, let's go and check out what's there. So maybe I could go to university because that idea was still somewhere there. And I got there in August '93 by jumping on a truck. Uh, <laughs> a truck up to the border because <laughs> once you are uh, once you are in Uganda. Uh, rules are a bit strict. You can't travel on top of a truck. So uh, they took me to the border, and from the border there were buses actually that leave, you know, at regular hours, and you pay. And ten hours later, you go to uh, to Kampala, and from Kampala there's another bus to Nairobi. And I got there um, August first, '93, in Nairobi. I had also Congolese friends who had gone there, so I had some contacts. I stayed with them for a few days, and I was lucky to get there, and it was in August. Within a month, uh, when schools reopened, I'd met a Congolese family that had children in the French school, and they were looking for someone uh, who would help them with their homework. So that gave me like some money to survive, and then I started exploring the Kenyan theater, also trying to see if I could go to university. Then I realized very soon that that was just out of the question because public universities don't have enough uh, space for Kenyans, so it's normal that uh, they wouldn't take me. Then private universities were too expensive. So I was like, oh, do I go home now? It's like, no, I can survive here thanks to this family I'm taking um, care of, well, whose children I'm taking care of. So let's see what's happening in the Kenyan theater. And really, I never left. Like, <laughs> and I stayed. And it, let's see. And it took many years. And two years later, um, I kind of went for a fun first dance workshop. What's interesting uh, for me is that in 93, when I went for like a first uh, audition in, uh, at the National Theater in Nairobi, it was for a musical. I went for a musical because like, well, I can sing, um, I can jump around and call it dance. <laughs> My English is still a bit this much. I'd been there like for four months, and so my English is not that good. So let's go and check, you know, check out this musical. It's just another way of getting into the, uh, into the scene. And I was taken for that musical, and by being around them, I discovered that Kenyan theater then was all about words, you know, but not nothing about really like the body. So that helps me kind of uh, um, carve a small space for myself there. And when in 95, there was a workshop organized by the French Cultural Center. And the workshop was called Pour une danse africaine contemporaine, towards a contemporary African dance. And the workshop was um, led by a man called Alphonse Thiroux, uh, from Ivory Coast and who had been living in France. And Alphonse mm. developed mm. something that he called, uh, it's like, dupli. And 
loi éternelle de la danse africaine. It's like, do play the eternal law of African dancers. And he was, he's the man who was sent by the French government across Africa to you know, uh, teaching workshops. And the workshops are pour une danse africaine contemporaine. And in Nairobi, no one was doing any contemporary dance then. No one knew about that thing, contemporary dance. So they invited, I say, people who resembled dancers. And so it was a very eclectic group of people. Some were dancing in nightclubs, you know, uh, not like the Midnight Show at Florida no, 2000, no, which is a famous nightclub um, in Nairobi. So there were people from the Florida nightclub uh, dance show, people from Bomas of Kenya, uh, uh, no, uh, folk, uh, tourist dance troops. And they invited me, and they invited also Opio Kach, uh, who's known today as choreographer and dancer, but then he was like Kenya's only mime artist. And really, for two weeks with Alphonse Thierry, six hours a day, it was this series of dance steps putting together and, like, and repeating over and over. It was, for me, with my background, like with a critical mind, and it's like, why am I, am I doing this? I was really bored. But thanks God, I met Opio, and who was equally bored, and so it was like, but we were getting per diems from the French, and Alphonse, you would leave. The French capital center would be there. We didn't want you know, to, to get into conflict with, like, there were people supporting things around, so like, we stayed, you know? We stayed for two weeks, but I met Opio, and for two weeks, it became, like, just an opportunity to discuss with Opio, And after Alphonse Thierry's uh, workshop, we continued. And we were working for, you know, for ourselves. We'd meet later on, like two, three times a week, try things out. No one ever called it dance. Even when we made our first piece, which was like a, an eight-minute duet, just Opio and, my, and myself, we never called it dance. Opio was talking of it in terms of abstract mime. And I was just, for me, it was just theater. And when we developed it into a trio later on and it became like a full-length work and it was taken for the African choreographic encounters in Angola uh, in 98, um, again organized by the French government, um, we were going to Angola saying, oh, we're going to see the real dancers, we're cheaters. And we got there and we won a prize and it opened doors for us you know, for festivals in Europe. So it's like, oh, so if this work uh, is accepted under the label dance, then it's dance. For a long time, I really had a problem calling myself a dancer. It's like, I believe in rites of passage, really. And it was like, I didn't go through this. How can I call myself dancer? But today, yeah, I think my back... Uh, has suffered <laughs> enough, you know. I've graduated, I've taken myself through that, yeah. It's fascinating to listen to each of your stories, uh, and we could spend hours talking to each of you, and of course some of the recurring themes, the, the connection to the traditional movement or other kinds of movement besides what maybe in a Western context we call contemporary dance, but also this influence of the French institutes, the French governments in... Um, deciding for whatever reasons that they were going to um, 
bridge some gaps between dancers, choreographers, movement artists in various African countries and the Western presenters and, and uh, programmers. I mean, certainly our experience is often discovering some of your works through festivals and some of these rencontres that you talk about. But also each of you have done some incredible work back in your own countries. And I wondered if we could, um, we'll come back to the French, but I wondered if you could each take a moment, prendre un moment pour décrire qu'est-ce que vous faites chez vous avec les centres que vous avez créés, avec le commitment que vous avez pour euh, vos pays, même après peut-être une, une, une carrière un peu plus internationale et tournée, danser pour d'autres compagnies, mais vous avez retourné chacun pour travailler aussi chez vous. Uh, c'est mes impressions. Alors, peut-être on peut commencer uh, avec Vincent ou avec Vincent. Do you want to start just to talk about what that means to also be part of the country that you came from and the work that you do to continue that connection uh, with South Africa in your case? Uh, I mean, personally, I mean, now, of course, I'm now based in France and uh, uh, I have my own company, uh, which is uh, slowly developing. Uh, and, uh, you know, I... I I usually obviously go back to South Africa at least uh, twice a year uh, to maintain the relationship between uh, uh, some of the companies that I've, I've worked with more closely with uh, moving into dance uh, because this is where I was trained. Um, but then again also um, you know, traditionally to be more in contact with uh, my family uh, because uh, this is where I, I began my movement journey uh, traditionally. So, uh, and, and, and that, of course, you know, this relationship between uh, uh, the two uh, families is, uh, is something that, you know, I, I try uh, to maintain as much as possible and uh, to try to make sure that uh, uh, whatever, you know, this knowledge that I've learned throughout these years uh, from South Africa, uh, to try to pass on, you know, to, to other dancers uh, uh, wherever I go. So, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I've been quite fortunate, I think, that um, uh, I've met, uh, you know, a lot of dancers uh, from Africa, from, uh, uh, from, from Europe, from Asia. And, uh, and, and we, we've crossed paths uh, a lot uh, with, with Faustin and with uh, um, Kudus and a uh, little bit with uh, Bienvenue. So, and, and, and that, you know, I think itself uh, is to try to, uh, even though we don't have that opportunity a lot to really uh, collaborate between ourselves, but uh, just the means of uh, crossing the paths, uh, it shows that, you know, th there is some, some bit of, of connection, uh, whether it's a traditional or contemporary, um, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I think for me, uh, I try to maintain. And even though it's, it's a little bit hard, uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, uh, a center uh, in, in, either in South Africa or in France. Uh, but I, uh, I'm very much more open to the idea of, uh, you know, sharing with other artists as much as possible. That's all for this NEC Dance Podcast. For more information, please visit nec-cna.ca backslash podcasts. Voilà qui met fin à ce balado. Pour plus de renseignements, veuillez visiter 
cna-nac.ca barre oblique balado. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.